Welcome to Gateway Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Gateway Church Doncaster in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information about Gateway Church, please visit our website, gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk. Thank you for listening. Last week, those of us who were here took a short while to just look back over some of the progress that we'd made as a body of people together over the past year. And I thought I'd start this morning for those who weren't able to be here last week by just going through some of the things that we noted. What was really great was there were a number of people who wanted to give testimony to things that God had been doing in their lives over the past year. And I have to admit, there was one that really topped it off for me. And that was Mark and Natalie. Because Mark said he'd had the best Christmas present he'd ever had. Is that right? Do you still feel that this week? God had put his family back together. And I think when you start talking about things like that, other things start to pale into insignificance. But we have a great God and he's done a lot amongst us. At this point last year, Chris and Anna had only moved to Doncaster a few weeks previously. At that point, Naomi hadn't been born. I don't think Bob and Becky were around on the scene in Doncaster. We hadn't met Tim or Catherine. We hadn't met Joel or now Abby. We hadn't met Rob and Katie and now Matt. Anna Swift hadn't turned up. We hadn't met Steve Kennedy who was around a few weeks before Christmas. And others. We were comfortably fitting in one house midweek. Whereas now, our midweek group has had to double. We hadn't started meeting in the cave or the well. A lot of people hadn't seen the wider aspects of New Frontiers or been to any of the conferences. And, I mean, there is a positive side to that. Some people had never before spent five days up to their ankles in mud. Equally, we were wondering where the people for our next Alpha course were going to come from. And it would have been only our second week here at Cantley. Previously to that, we were still meeting in that dark, dingy music room tucked around at the back of Hallcross School. How much can change in a year? But because it happens gradually, we often don't notice it at the time. And it's not until you stop and look back and think about it that you can see how much progress has been made. And the further back we look, the more progress we can see. Now one of the things that was prophesied over us right at the very start of the church plant here in Doncaster was that we would be building on a prophecy, sorry, on a foundation of prophecy and of prayer. And during the past four years, we have had some really exciting promises, some encouraging words. But I want to spend a while this morning just looking at some of the most recent. 
At one of our prayer meetings, someone brought recently a word of encouragement. And that word was a simple one, was that it would be the Holy Spirit that would give us our distinctiveness. Our distinctiveness from other churches and our distinctiveness from the world. Now, I think that's already true to a certain extent among the churches in the town. I think we've got a way to go yet. At the Brighton Conference 18 months or so ago, on the Thursday evening, when they were praying for the church plants around this nation, the prayer for Doncaster was for signs and wonders in Doncaster. Now, we have seen some healings. We've seen some wonderful answers to prayer. But I don't think we've seen yet anything on the scale that has been promised. And then David, one Sunday morning, brought a prophecy. And this emphasis was very much echoed that morning. He said, It is my purpose to restore my church, to bring the gifts and the ministries to their appointed place. It is my desire that my church is not found naked. No, my body will not be found naked. I will make my body an instrument that shines, not just in this world, but throughout the whole universe. And my splendour shall be revealed in it. My bride will be a glorious bride. The message is that God will provide all that is necessary to ensure that his church isn't left wanting. But that it becomes the glorious creation that he has destined it to be. And then we receive two pictures encouraging us about where we're at. Bob brought the first one on a Sunday morning. He said, I saw a picture of a chessboard set up for the start of a chess game. And as I watched the opening moves take place as pieces were moved into position in preparation for the game plan that had been worked out. The picture was given to say that the end of the opening is nearing, as the pieces are almost all in position. The church is no longer at its beginning, but is being prepared to move forward into the next stage. I also felt that people needed to realise that they've been put into position by God to enable the next, next phase to take place according to his plan. Now, isn't that encouraging? We're moving into a new phase. The opening game is over. We may not be in the end game yet, but we're moving into the main battle. And that was a very much echoed again by a picture that Anna brought at a Sunday evening prayer meeting. She said she had the impression that we were moving into the third and final stage of labour. That's where the head of the baby is beginning to be crowned. I'm told it's the bit that stings a bit. That's probably an understatement. 
the bit that makes your eyes water. But what is needed at that point is a few last pushes and then the birth takes place. Now as I've been thinking about the preaching plan for the next year, I, I felt myself drawn to a number of scriptures and I've had some of these prophecies in the back of my mind. But in particular, I felt drawn to the beginning of Isaiah chapter 6. I'll read it. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him there were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Oh, woe is me, I cried, I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he'd taken with tongs from the altar. And with it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom should I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, Lord. Send me. He said, Go and tell this people, Be ever hearing but never understanding. Be ever seeing but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. And then I said, For how long, O Lord? And he answered, Until the cities lie in ruin and without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the terebinth and the oak leaves stumps when they're, when they're cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. Now in this passage, something quite important happens to Isaiah. It's something that totally transforms his life. It changes him from being one of the many priests who serve in the temple 
to being the mouthpiece of God to his nation. So what was it that made the change? It was something quite simple. He met with God. And as John would tell us later, it was Jesus he met with. And he met with him in a very real and tangible way. If you look through that passage, he saw him. He looked upon his glory. He heard the praises of the angels. He felt the conviction and the empowering presence of God. He felt challenged. And he received a call. That day, he was totally transformed by his encounter with God. He went out different than he came in. And as I've, t- as I've spent time just looking and meditating on this passage, I feel that this year we should concentrate on five things. They're all found in this passage. And in true evangelical style, they all begin with the letter P. The first one. Passion. One of the first things I noticed was Isaiah's passion to serve God. When God asks him the question, who should I send? You get that impression that Isaiah responded without hesitation. Here I am, send me. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Where someone asks a question, wants a volunteer, and you weren't intending to put your name forward, but somehow something drives you, something deep within you, and before you know it, yours is the name in the frame. That's what seemed to happen to Isaiah. The impression you get is that here is a man who is totally sold out on serving God. So he doesn't enter into a discussion about the cost, the sacrifice, how much time it will take. When God's looking for a volunteer, Isaiah steps forward. He has real passion. But this comes on the back of something else. And it's the second P. It's purity. Because this doesn't happen without him first having got things right with God. Earlier in the passage, he is keenly aware of his failings. When he realises he's in the very presence of God, his reaction is to cry out, Woe is me! I am ruined! Because I'm a man of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the king. He's convicted. He is deeply aware of his failings. He's convicted of his sin. And even in this passage, we see Jesus bring the remedy. Because what happens is one of the seraphs flies to him with a hot coal in his hand. But he's taken from the altar of God and touches his mouth. And he says, 
see. This has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Isaiah's mouth was purified by fire at the hand of an angel. And if we are to serve our God with the degree of passion that Isaiah showed, we need to do everything we can to ensure that impurity in us doesn't get in the way. We need to be looking at our lives and when God brings us conviction, we need to take our failings to Jesus humbly and sincerely and receive his forgiveness. then I became just aware of where this encounter started. It starts in the presence of God. That's the third P. Isaiah's whole encounter starts with this description. I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. When we read of encounters that people had with God in the Old Testament, I sometimes think we're far too complacent these days. We come before God. And I think we almost fall into the error of having a consumer mentality where we expect God to be at our beck and call. Now, God has promised that when we meet together, he will be with us. In Matthew 18, verse 19, for example, it says, Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. So he's promised that when we meet together, God will be in the very centre. But when we look at the times people met with God's manifest presence in the Old Testament, that wasn't a thing to be regarded lightly. For example, if you read about the time when Solomon dedicated the temple, you can find it in the opening of 2 Chronicles chapter 7. It says, when Sol Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshipped and they gave thanks to the Lord saying, He is good. His love endures forever. Such was the presence of God on that occasion that normal services were disrupted. The priests couldn't enter the, table, the temple and the people were spontaneously moved to worship. 
We read of similar events when the Ark of the Covenant was brought into the temple. A slightly earlier in 2 Chronicles chapter 5 verses 14 onwards. And it says, And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The Old Testament priests were in such fear of God that when on one occasion each year the high priest entered the most holy place he had bells sewn on the hem of his garments and he had a rope tied round his ankle. Now that might sound daft but the idea was if the bells stopped tinkling he wasn't moving. And if you thought he was dead, you could pull him out by the rope. Such was their fear of the presence of God. Now sometimes, I don't want us to be fearful of the presence of God, but I think we have lost our sense of awe. Awe. It's not a word we use very often, is it? Awe. The dictionary says, an overwhelming feeling of reverence, admiration, fear, etc. Produced by that which is grand, sublime, extremely powerful, or the like. For example, in awe of God. That's a good example, isn't it? If there's anything we should be in awe of, it's God. Because who is extremely powerful that we know? Mayor Winter? God. Tough choice, isn't it? Our God is an awesome God. But once Isaiah had overcome his sense of awe. Oh, I said something funny. Oh, okay. Once, once Isaiah had overcome his sense of awe, and once he'd heard of the plight of his nation, we see the next P. His response was to intercede. That doesn't begin with P, does it? So we'll use the word pray. Oh, for how long, O oh Lord? That was his prayer. How long must they suffer? His heart was just to plead for those in his nation who were lost. For those who couldn't see the truth. Those who couldn't hear the message. And for those who couldn't understand it. And then, as a result of being in God's presence, of being called, of being purified, Isaiah was transformed. He had an, he came out of that encounter different than he went in. He had a real transformation going on inside him. Because he had encountered a power that he had not previously met with. And it transformed him. And that's the fifth P. Power. And we need 
that transforming power in our lives day by day. Now, as I've then looked at that message and looked at the prophetic words we've had recently, I think the aim for the next year is a simple one. It can be summed up by one word. And funny enough, it begins with P as well. It's push. Push. We need to push through in a number of areas. To take the five Ps, we need to push on into passion. Because being passionate is not just about what we believe. It's about how we express what we feel. Passionate. In case there's any mistake, I looked that one up in the dictionary as well. It says passionate. Having, compelled by, or ruled by intense emotion or strong feeling. Are you compelled by strong feelings about Christ? We need to be passionate. And I think we need to concentrate on being more passionate about Jesus, being more passionate in our worship, being more passionate in sharing our faith with the lost, being more passionate in our expectation to see signs and wonders in this town, and being more passionate in our prayer life. I think we need to push on into purity. I think during the year we need to spend some time checking that we have our own life in order and that we've removed any hindrances, whatever the cause, that might block our encounters with God. I think we need to push on into his presence. We desperately need to seek the presence of God in our times, both together and individually. We need to push on into closer relationship and push through the comfort zone into the very manifest presence of God. We need to push further in prayer. We need to renew our focus on prayer for the lost, for the town, for the church, for individuals, for God's presence and for his power. And we need to push on in his power. We need to expect and anticipate the power of the Holy Spirit. In Mark 16, verse 17, it says, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In, they, in my name, they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and they will drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. Now, I'm not suggesting for a moment we become snake handlers or particularly go out of our way to drink poison. But there's still some challenges there because it says they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Now, the interesting thing is if you look at the older versions, if you look at the, the AV version of the Bible, it translates those opening words slightly differently. Instead of saying, and these signs would accompany, 
it says, and these signs shall follow them that believe. Now there's a subtle distinction here, and I actually prefer the AV rendition. Okay? There's a difference between accompanying and following. Just the reason I like it is it reminds me of my responsibility. To follow is like being a trailer or a caravan behind a car. We all know, you know, a trailer is designed to be towed behind another vehicle. And you can get one out, you can hitch it up, you can connect all the cables, and there, it's ready. But it isn't following the car, because the car isn't going anywhere. But when you get in and start the engine and start to drive off and the car moves, the trailer follows. We have a responsibility. If we don't believe and pray for the sick, will the signs follow? No, I don't think they do. It is only when you move out in faith that we can expect these things to accompany us. We have a responsibility. And therefore we need to push forward in power. Now I've got a video clip I want to show. Okay? This is a guy called Simon Holly. He leads one of the churches in Bedford, King's Arms. Actually Abby's been there and Joel was there up until uh, till recently. Um, they just started going out and doing some things. Now, some of you would have heard me talk about this, but let's hear it direct from the horse's mouth, huh? together at Shuttleworth with Simon Holly, uh, who's going to tell us a little bit about what God's doing here um, amongst us. Okay, Simon, um, tell us a little bit about the story that you've got. Well, we, um, as a church, have been going out doing these things called treasure hunts, and uh, basically we pray and ask God uh, for some words, specific words, and then we go out on the streets and seek to find people and pray for them and bless them. So uh, on Thursday, a couple of days ago, we went out, a friend Tabo and myself went out, and uh, before we went, we prayed, and I had a specific post box in mind. Uh, I saw a red post box. I saw a location, which was the library, and we're based in Bedford. And um, I had a, a, a blonde girl with uh, a hearing aid and a white shirt and a gold chain. And my friend Tabo, he felt like uh, there was a, a sense that we should go to a specific place, which was close to the library. He had a yellow shirt and uh, a baseball cap. Um, the, the sense of basketball being related and a spinal injury. So uh, with that motley collection of clues, we went out to find our treasure. Now, I immediately thought there are no post boxes in the town centre, so uh, I, I thought maybe we were looking for a postman, but as we walked into the town centre, there was a post box, which I'd never seen before, uh-huh. right next to the library, which is what the other word that we had. Um, as we walked around the corner, we saw a crowd of uh, 15 or so teenagers <laughs> who... Um, uh, one of which had a yellow t-shirt and a baseball cap on. 
Um, the thing was, the, the, the crowd looked really intimidating, and I was not wanting to go up to them and, uh, and say that we were Christians on the treasure hunt. Um, particularly because the, young, the guy who had the yellow t-shirt and the baseball cap was the youngest one. I thought, he's not going to want to know us right now. He's trying to look up to his peers, and he's not going to want to know us. Anyway, my friend Tabo said, let's go for it. So we went over there. We introduced ourselves. We said, we're on this treasure hunt. We think you're our treasure. Do you have a spinal injury? Do you, have you got any hearing impediment at all? He's like, no, nothing. To, he, just, he clearly did not want to know us. So this whole group were kind of making fun of us, and we said we were, we were Christians. And then the leader of the group, an older guy, probably 17 or 18, walks up to us and uh, grabs the piece of paper and says, what's all this about? What's and we said, well, this is our treasure map. He said, looks down, he said, well, I've got a spinal injury, and, I, and it stopped me playing basketball. And we said, well, maybe you're, the, maybe you're the treasure then. Maybe we've come here to pray for you. And he said, oh, I'm a pagan. I don't believe in any of this anyway. It won't work for me. So we said, look, let's just give us a chance. Let's pray. So we prayed for him, and he was totally healed. He did a, a crab. He did the splits. And he was swearing and saying, what on earth is going on here? Who are you guys? Wow. He was completely healed. Well, by this time, we had a crowd gathering around us. Sure. And uh, another guy came up to, to Tavo and said, will you pray for me? And, and Tavo said, what's wrong with you? And he said, nothing, just pray for me. So he's probably 17 or so. Uh, he, and Tavo said, grabbed him by the hand and said, Jesus, just fill him with your love. Well, this kid just started to weep and not just cry. I mean, he was weeping and weeping, weeping. He's like, I'm nobody, I'm nothing. Why would God touch me? I can't believe what's happening. So he's like freaking out. By well, this time, we've got a bigger crowd gathered here. And a girl, we prayed for somebody else. I can't even remember that it was happening so fast. Yeah. Then another girl came up and said, um, I've got a broken arm. Can God heal that? And I said, well, why haven't you got a cast or a, band, you know, a bandage on it? She said, well, I've got a, a sling, but it's not cool. So uh, I'm not wearing that. But I'm actually going in to have a cast on Monday. So we said, well, let's pray and see what God does. So we prayed for her. We asked before, actually, we asked her, how much movement have you got? And she said, well, about this much movement. And so we said, well, let's pray. We prayed for her. And by the end of it, she was, well, she started swearing as well, which they all did actually as they got healed. Started moving her arm around. She had total mobility in her arm. And by this time, there were people who weren't involved, were crying on the side of thinking, saying, oh, my God, what is going on? I mean, and we just knew that actually we were in the middle of something serious and that God was really going to start touching these kids. So I just shouted out, if there's anyone here who is sick, come here now. We will pray for you, and you're going to get healed. Well, so then we split up, and we had both had a queue of people that we were praying for um, to see healed. We uh, prayed for a guy who had three torn ligaments in his shoulder. He was totally healed for mobility. We had um, uh, another girl who'd been seriously uh, abused when she was younger. We prayed for her. She's in tears. God just kind of set in her free meeting with her. We had a girl who had ongoing migraine. She had one actually while we were there and we prayed for the migraine left instantly. And so in t- total by the time we finished there were seven of these teenagers healed that we could remember. There were three others that we definitely prayed for. We can't even remember. It was just happening so quickly. Um, and so I, we gathered the crowd together and said guys we've got to tell you what's going on here. And so we had an opportunity just to share the gospel with them to tell them about the G- that Jesus loves them. That that's why he sent us to, to meet with them. It was just an incredible time. We went out for just half an hour. It took us two hours. We were with these kids sharing the gospel, praying for them, and telling them about the love of God for them. So it was one of the best days of my life. It was the life changing. Wow. That is an absolutely amazing story, how God is working uh, amongst us today. Fantastic. Thanks very much. These things will accompany those who believe.
What I love about that testimony is Simon is so down to earth. He was fearful of going and approaching this motley group of teenagers. But how much like what we looked at in Acts is that? Do you remember? A couple of the disciples on the way to the temple see a man who needs healing. They heal him and on the back of it preach the gospel. How much is that like that? So let's just get practical for a moment. How are we going to blend these five P's into our church life? Firstly, our preaching. When I'm preaching, I'm going to focus those around the five P's. Passion, purity, presence, prayer and power. And each time, I'm going to try and help ground one of those P's in reality. In our prayer meetings, I think we need two aims. We need to be praying for God's presence. And we need to be praying intercessory prayers as well. I think we should introduce a couple of days of prayer and fasting during the year. And continue with our half nights of prayer. In our small groups, this week we're going to be watching a video. It's called The Finger of God. Joel lent it to me. And if you think the testimony you've just heard from Simon Holly is astounding, you haven't seen anything yet. I want our small groups to continue to be a place where we can use as a practice ground for developing the spiritual gifts. I want them to remain at the very heart of church life and add to them an aspect of accountability. Not heavy-handed, but a place where we can openly discuss the challenges of living out the five Ps. In terms of evangelism, I think we need to build on Alpha and start running a beta group to follow on from it. So, instead of prayer pointers this year, these, I've done something different. Because actually, our vision is the same. If anyone hasn't got one of these, we can give you one later. Okay, our vision is still the same. And actually, if you look at our prayer priorities for last year, I don't think any of those have changed. We'd still want to see growth. We still want to pray for evangelism. We still want to see our meetings being centred around God's presence. We still want to see our members growing in maturity. We still want to see signs and wonders. And we still need to look for finance and resources. So none of those have changed. We're just praying about them differently than we were a year ago. So I've done something different. As a step towards treasure hunting, I've produced some little tracts. They're cunningly designed to fold in half and fit in your wallet or your purse. So you've got no excuse for not having one with you. They haven't got your details on them. I'm the one who's going to get the flack. Okay? And they're called Feeling Lost. And they're the sort of thing, if you saw someone wandering aimlessly in the town centre, you could just give them one. Even if you then run afterwards. 
So take some of those. I've got plenty here. I've had a thousand of these printed. And I'd like to see these thousand go out and us having to have some more done. Okay? Yeah, that's you and Natalie. I'll bring the others later. Okay, that's, um, I think that's about 250 of them. And then, I'd like us to move towards treasure hunting. King's Arms are running, uh, hitting the streets day on March the 21st. Has anyone written that date down? March the 21st. I'd like us to take a couple of carloads down and do it. What that will be is it will be part of the day will be spent having some training and some explanation. And then the other part of the day is you'll be going out and doing it, but with people who've already done it before. The good thing is if we can get a good number to go to that, there's no reason why we can't then host a day up here, get people from the region to come here. And wouldn't it be great to get 50 people hitting the city centre of Doncaster doing that? Yeah. But the commitment has to be, first of all, we need to buy in and get involved. That was March the 21st. And of course we're looking to do other things as well on evangelism. To run a fun day, etc. for the local community. Now, I know that's quite a challenge. Living up to the five P's, starting to put them into practice... Moving forward in power, in the presence of God, with passion, with purity, and in prayer. It's a challenge. But I want to ask you one simple question this morning. Do you come to Gateway Church because you want a quiet life, or because you want an adventure? I'm inviting you to sign up for the adventure. Amen. Have a good week. There's tea, there's coffee. If you want to talk to me about anything, do. If you want prayer, if you're sick, there are people who'd love to pray for you. Otherwise, God bless you. May the light of his face just shine from you this week. And may he give you peace. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to visit gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk.